Hi, I'm Meredith. And I'm Curtis. Is there anything more incongruous than a Mickey Mouse snow globe? This is the Launch Pod for Pomona Valley Church. I think it's interesting to see what your kids choose when it comes to picking toys or what they are into. We've noticed that it is often not what we would have expected at all. Case in point, on a recent trip to Disneyland, our kids got super excited about coming home with snow globes. They have never owned snow globes. Curtis didn't even know that they had ever seen a snow globe in any particular instance. But for a couple of years, Riley has wanted a snow globe. And they had little Disney gift cards to use. That's what they decided they wanted to bring home. So we now have not one, but two Disneyland snow globes with Mickey looking at a map of the park, interestingly enough. Yeah, Riley got really into looking at the map at the park. Uh, He thought it was fun that Mickey was looking at it, too. Thanks for listening to the Launch Pod for Pomona Valley Church. In this episode, we are going to get into a bit more the question of what type of community we want to be as a church. When Jesus talks about what is distinctive about the community he is creating, he says it's your love for one another. There's that famous, they will know we are Christians by our love song. Although you had a sweatshirt in college that said, they will know we are Christians by our sweatshirts. (laughs) It was was the first one I stole from you. Yes. (laughs) So anyway, all the way through the New Testament, you have different one another's that show up. Things that many of you are maybe familiar with, like love one another. But there's also serve one another, live at peace with one another. The list goes on. And they really are a beautiful description of what a church can be, which is why we chose them as the first part of our description for Pomona Valley Church. We want to equip people to joyfully and sustainably live the one another's, neighbor well, and do justice. So this time we dive into the one another's. And we're not going to talk about every single one of them because there's a lot. A lot. But we did want to offer some highlights of what we mean when we say we want our church to live them out. Love one another is, of course, the most common, but only slightly less common, and this is real. It's every high schooler's favorite one to giggle at. Greet one another with a holy kiss. So we should start there? I don't think this is that sort of podcast, but there is something to be said for having genuine affection for one another in the church, which in part is what the greet one another with a holy kiss verses are getting at. I can remember back in college going to a church. It was called Grace Street, and it was a relatively new church. It was a four-square church, which means they were a little more on the charismatic side. But it was a lot of college kids and some people from the community. And one of the things that was most distinctive about it is that every week after the music, right in the middle of the service, we'd take like a 15-minute break to get coffee and snacks. And somebody would always have brought something yummy um, or lots of yummy things, actually, of desserts and other sorts of stuff. And we would just talk. And it was the same kind of idea that some churches are trying to get at when they say, well, stand up and greet the person around you. And then you shake hands awkwardly and sit back down. But what happened at Grace Street is that you were able to really build genuine affection for the other people who attended. You got to actually talk to them each week for a length of time, not just a quick eye contact and that's it. And that always had a really big impact on me, this idea that you could really have genuine affection for one another within the church service. I remember you telling me that story and how much that meant to you. We wanted to do something just a little bit different this episode. We'd like to share a few stories with you from our own lives of times that the one another's meant a lot to us. And your story from Grace Street is a really great example of that. It reminds me actually of a different one another 
that was important for me. There is a verse that talks about ad, almost admonishing one another or teaching one another, instructing one another. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the idea is that there are things that we know we want to be or things that we know are right and that we can help each other get there. Especially if we have blind spots. Like, For sure. We don't see that we are not living up to what Christ is calling us to, but someone else does. Yeah. And they can open our eyes to that. Exactly. So when we first arrived at Willow Creek, my role was actually to write the children's curriculum for our main campus in South Barrington. But there are other family pastors at all of the other campuses that each do really wonderful ministry. And one of them was my friend Amy, who was the family pastor at the Chicago campus. And so she's right in the heart of the city, serving families at their location. And one time we were in a meeting, and somehow curriculum came up, and she was talking about how their campus was going to start writing their curriculum from scratch, which is a pretty big project. It takes quite a bit of investment. But she said that, among other things, they felt a deep sense of conviction that they needed to write custom curriculum because what was available for children's ministry was too white. And those were her exact words. Children's curriculum is too white. I was really intrigued by the way she framed that. By that point in my own life, I had become more aware of power and privilege. And as I looked around and was getting to know this new community, I realized that one of the gaps that we had in our own curriculum was that we were not serving kids as well as we could when it came to understanding diversity. And so I asked her if I could come and have a meeting I went down to the Chicago campus, and I sat down at the table, and she also brought her friend Chi-Chi. Chi-Chi was their executive pastor. She is um, Nigerian-American, and she is amazing and super smart. But we hadn't met before, and I found myself a little bit intimidated by the expertise on the other side of the table. But the two of them were so kind and compassionate and helped me move forward in my understanding of how to represent the kingdom of God well to kids, especially as it related to race, diversity, ethnicity, and all of that. And I was a better writer from then on because of that time across the table from them. It was one of those experiences where I felt like, yep, that's admonish one another. They very gently corrected that I was bringing a racial bias to what I was writing that I wasn't even aware of, and they helped me become better. And before we get to the next one, it's actually time for everybody's favorite segment of the podcast. It's backed by popular demand. Really? Meredith's staring at me because I did not put this in the running order because she wouldn't have let me otherwise. It's (laughs) called What Curtis Read This Week. Oh, we're doing it for real. You've got to give the people what they want. We Literally tens, nay dozens of people have tweeted into us at our non-existent Twitter account. We're not on Twitter. Yeah, because they, they want this. So I was reading an article this week about an island in the middle of the South Pacific that is brand new. It was created four years ago in a volcanic explosion. The scientists were going there because they thought, apparently you can study something about how things work on Mars. By studying lava rock on a new island? The erosion patterns or something was going to tell them something about how the mountains on Mars might have been formed. So it's not just studying lava rock, because we have a whole bunch of that in our backyard. We can take it. I will give all the lava rock in our backyard to science. Uh, So anyhow, I I didn't really understand this part of how it all works. But one of the things I thought was really interesting, they had sent a team of scientists and students there, and they found, among other things, a whole bunch of vegetation coming up on the beach in this brand new rock, literally a rock in the ocean, and some teeming bird colonies. There were parts of the island where they couldn't even go because they were afraid they were going to step on eggs or baby birds or those sorts of things. And so even though this island's only four years old and started as a rock, already there is this huge diversity of life on it. And I thought it was really interesting. And I thought it was a 
beautiful picture of the way that God has imbued the world with the ability to create and sustain life. It is. It's lovely. And we are, we're a science is real sort of a church. And I just thought it was kind of a fun picture and a reminder that God is bringing life out of the earth everywhere and in all ways. So that's what Curtis read this week. What Curtis read this week. <laughs> an actual segment <laughs> on the Launch Podcast. Ah, thanks for indulging me. Um, another of the one another's that we really like, show hospitality to one another. In a couple of the different places that we have been, one of the ways that we have tried to do that is by including people, inviting people into our homes for dinner to watch shows. At one point at the church we were at in Southern California, we had people over every Thursday night because that was the night The Office and Parks and Rec, 30 Rock, and Community, my personal favorite, were on. And so we would come together, eat some food, watch the NBC lineup, watch the NBC lineup, which is a thing that we used to do 10 years ago, um, <laughs> as opposed to just firing up uh, Netflix. It had but, commercials. <laughs> we had to just pause. And it meant that some nights we were able to be in some pretty hard things together, actually, because the consistency of gathering meant that when someone had had a hard week, we knew we'd be there for each other. But there were whole chunks of weeks that were not big and deep and weighty. They yeah. were just together. Yeah. And that's where I want to go with this, because the relationships that we built in those nights every Thursday, watching shows and eating together, were really important at other seasons of our life. Right after we had our first child, uh, Meredith had to go back to work six weeks six after weeks. he was born. And just the way things worked out, I was staying home with him. He would not take a bottle. Ever. Ever. So he was hungry all the time. I had no way of feeding him. And so he cried a lot. Loudly. And things I learned pretty quickly in that season with Riley is that I do really, really badly with crying children, especially when I feel like I'm doing everything I know how to do and it's not working. I feel like I'm doing the right things. I'm doing the things you're supposed to do. And it just doesn't work. I feel so helpless. I feel confused. I feel useless. And it was an awful, awful season. And it brought out some of the darkest parts of myself, um, uh, truly. And we can get into that on another podcast, maybe. but um, Or face-to-face, even better. But I remember at the time that then I started reaching out to our friends, starting with the Thursday night people. And I texted our friends Allie and Blythe, especially, because each of them had slightly flexible work schedules. And so when I was at work, they might be available. And I remember just saying, we need you to be in our house. And so if you have any free time that you are available during the day, would you please go be with Curtis? And they did. And so there's another one another that's bear one another's burdens. And... They literally did that for me. By holding Riley (laughs) while he still cried and still wouldn't take bottles, but they would try to see if he'd take it. And his crying just did not affect them in the same way. They were talking to you. I remember you just saying that some of the help was simply that you could talk to another grown-up or even to be able to tell another grown-up, I feel like I'm doing everything. Yeah. And have their empathy and compassion. The way that they would bear bear one another's burdens, serve one another. They would drive to our house just to hold our kid so that I didn't go crazy. Yeah, I remember that season, and I am deeply grateful to them for that. One more story we'd like to share about how the one another's have played out for us comes from one of the harder experiences that we have had as adults. And some of you, if you are part of our community, you know this. But if you are a newer listener, you might not be aware that about seven years ago now, I was pregnant with twins 
and I went into preterm labor and we lost them. And so we have two daughters, Kate and Lucy, that were stillborn just about a year before Riley was born. As you can imagine, or if you have ever uh, had a pregnancy loss experience, it's devastating. And the grief that you experience in that is um, overwhelming and really hard to walk through. Part of what we needed in our grief was to gather people together. And so I remember creating an invitation and asking a group of people if they would come have dinner as a funeral of sorts for our girls. Because grief can be pretty isolating at times. Absolutely. Which is so interesting because grief is also universal. Mm -hmm. But no one wants to think about it or stay there. Yeah. It's just so hard. And so we sent out an invitation to a few friends. Not all of them even knew each other. And every single one of them came. And some of them, that meant driving actually across all of L.A. to be with us because they lived on the other side. And you cooked and I made salted caramel brownies for dessert (laughs) that were so good. And it mattered because we wanted to hold on to our future hope that this was not how things would always be. But we also needed a space to experience our sadness with others and know that they were willing to be in the mess of it with us. I think that was a big part of it, that it drew us out of isolation and it gave us a concrete representation of people who would walk with us for however long the grieving journey lasted. Yeah, who would mourn with us as we mourned. Exactly. To bring it back around to the one another's. Yes. Now, our stories don't cover comprehensively every one another that is included in the Bible to represent a picture of life together. No, and they're not all profound stories either, but that's not what a community is built on. It's built on the consistent small moments that knit people together. And yes, provide the ground for profound moments to appear in the midst of that. But we want to celebrate the small moments, too, of one anothering that that build our quality of life together. We want to be a community where more and more people are able to have these regular but important stories happening in their own lives. We might not be a church that creates an amazing moment with God every week or creates profound art and music. Or maybe we will. Maybe. We won't know until people show up with their gifts and talents and try to put those together. But what we do hope is that we become a place where more lives are impacted by the one another's. This is not going to be the type of church where everyone shows up and consumes something that the pastors have created and then goes their separate ways to live their lives. We want this to be a church where people actively and intentionally work at living the one another's for each other where we all take ownership of the type of community we want to be. We've often joked that you can tell a lot about the quality of a community by what happens after a party or event. We've been on both ends of the extreme on this. We've been at churches where a youth group event gets done, and five minutes later you look around, and the only people cleaning up are paid staff. We've also been at churches where an event gets done, and 20 minutes later, the room is practically as full as it was during the event because everyone has shifted gears to pitch in for cleaning up. We want to be the second kind of church, and that's where we're going to leave things today. We've talked through a bit what we dream our community might feel like, and next episode we want to get into what our community will look like when it's externally focused as opposed to internally focused, which is primarily what the one and others are getting at. But we want to talk about neighboring well and doing justice. We mentioned last time that later this week we are going to put out a tool for developing a rhythm of life. And we hope that you'll join us in actually using it. We think it could be fun to be doing something together wherever we're all located. 
If somehow you missed our description about Rhythm of Life last time, you can go back one episode and listen to that. Thanks for listening to The Launch Pod for Pomona Valley Church. We hope what we're talking about and what we're dreaming about continue to resonate with you. And as always, we would encourage you to pass this along to someone else who might be interested in what we're talking about, especially if they happen to live in Southern California and would like to be a part of this kind of community. You can get in touch with us at our email address, pomonavalleychurch at gmail.com. There will be show notes and such things on my blog, meredithannmiller.com, and with an E. We love you all. Talk to you soon. Bye.